everybody, I'm Wendy Murdoch, and this is Webinars with Wendy. I've been hosting a series of webinars during the pandemic, and we are now up to number 63. You can view all the previous webinars on my Surefoot Equine YouTube channel, and just go there, and there's lots of information from some really amazing people. I think this is part four with Sharon and Laura? Or five. I, maybe five. Maybe five. Um, I can't, I can't keep track anymore. Um, <laughs> And I'll be continuing these webinars as long as I can. I have guests lined up now. We're getting into the beginning of July. Um, so we, it may be when we hit the late summer that I start um, slowing down a little bit in terms of frequency, but I'm so enjoying this and gathering so much information and the guests have been so amazing that I'm gonna keep this going as long as I can. Today, my guest is Sharon and Laura Wilsey, and they are coming from Brattleboro, Vermont. Are you guys Brattleboro? Uh, or Putney. Putney. Okay, great. Yeah, we're actually in Westminster, but it's right on the border of Putney. Right. It's really, yeah. Southern so area. my old stomping ground when I used to live in New Hampshire and work at Dartmouth Med. Oh, yeah. And go down to Brattleboro. And Sally Swift was in Brattleboro, actually. Yes. yes. Think of it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. All right. So I'll let Sharon and Laura introduce themselves and then we'll just <laughs> see where this goes today. All right. Uh, okay. So hi, I'm Sharon. We'll see. And um, I came up with a system of communicating to horses that I call horse speak and it's entirely 100% based on having spent a lot of time observing the micro gestures that horses use with each other uh, and then also so is understanding the mechanics of specific gestures delivered at specific times and also then understanding a little bit about <coughs> their worldview and how they um, how they see the world from their own perspective and more than just like, oh, it's a prey animal, but like very specific things about their worldview because a lot of the uh, issues that come up when you're a trainer, which I was, a riding instructor, which I was, are these little things and there's a ton of them. There's all these little things and they're always coming up. And by uh, sort of solving these two puzzle pieces, was able to address all the little weird things that happen and at the same time, build really deep and lasting rapport between a horse and their person. And you're Laura. And I'm Laura Wilsey. <laughs> and uh, I've known Sharon for about 11 years and been with her throughout the whole evolution of Horse Speak, from starting with a Kickstarter project to now where I'm co-authoring with her on the third book. And so um, it's been such an epic journey to meet folks from all over the world and just be able to help people build that rapport with their horses, whether you've known the horse for, you know, five minutes or for 20 years. It's just, it's so amazing to be a part of a transformation with humans and horses because it's, the horse speak just opens up so many possibilities that you never knew were possible. So thank you all for being here today. And we look forward to uh, how Wendy guides us through, through yeah. this session. So, so I have a, I have a kind of uh, interesting question. Um, Given what you have learned with horse speak, do you see these same gestures in humans? Yeah, and I do. And so are they, I mean, obviously we don't have the shape of face, we're upright. So um, can you give us an example of an equivalent of something from horse speak and something in people? Yeah, it, it's really funny. So if somebody, if you're talking, you're in a conversation and you mentioned something that you're frustrated with and you do this gesture. Oh, I'm so frustrated with that. So this is a tail swish and that's a head toss. 
Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) And then we also do something where we do this. Mm. We're going, hmm. Oh, I do that all the time. All the time. And it's an aha. It's like a, hmm, it's an introspective moment. Well, they don't have hands, but they do the same thing when they put their mouth or their muzzle down by their front leg and rub it. Oh, that's what that is. That's them going, oh, hmm. And, you know, lately when I'm working at the computer, I find a lot of times I'm putting my hand on my upper chest. And I, I, it's something I noticed that I've been doing more lately. I'm not even sure when I started or when I started noticing. Mm. So is there an equivalent? It's kind of like, just like, um, it only is one hand. It's typically my left hand, not my right. And it's just kind of a comforting hand, if yep. that makes sense. So does horse have an equivalent of a comforting hand? Yeah, this, these are excellent questions. They do, and they have what's called the backup button. Oh, cool! <laughs> <laughs> we hope to. Yeah, I gotta make this big. I'm gonna make you spotlight because we gotta see this. Who is this? This is- uh, We actually haven't named this. We haven't named him. We should uh, Okay, everybody watching, we need a <laughs> name before the end of the webinar. Our friend Kirsty from Germany made this for me, and we, we'd like to actually find a, you know, a, a toy maker who would actually do this for us. Build you. a pony. Build a pony, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so this is the backup button. It's in the crook. So this is the elbow, and this is that crevice in the front of the elbow where the leg bends. And in there is a bunch of nerves, very, very nervy. And so when you touch it, most horses will actually shiver because it's so like ticklish. So <clears throat> aiming your fingertip pressure for this point is a great way to back the horse up because they naturally want to do that. But with what Wendy said, horses will take their nose and touch right there when they're wanting to kind of have the same emotional moment that Wendy was talking about. Like if you're doing this, you're kind of, self-soothing or like getting like whoo letting something go and getting back in your body and so when a horse is having that sensation they'll often touch themselves there oh okay yeah and i find it a lot like i've been working on my computer a lot and when i'm out in the garden i don't do this but i'm working on the computer and trying to get a bunch of stuff done i got a lot of new things going on so um somebody just wrote that um hand on the chest for human is a reflex for humans and it's oops it just uh uh, cardiac pulse soothing yeah. yep and vagus nerve and linda tellington jones has that here i'll unspotlight you um Someone she's talking said, about the heart hug right yeah, yeah. and um and yeah. that's all from heart math and just yeah <laughs> heart hugs it's like i gotta yeah. get camera right but you know but it's really it's so funny because it's just one hand for me lately um so there's another great question here i'm going to just throw in um do these buttons correspond to meridian points it's funny that you say that. Yeah, they do. Um, there's a lot, and there's actually another one here at the back of the. So if this is if this button's technically, I'm going to make you big again. Hang on. <laughs> this button is technically it's the yield over button, which can be. We were going to talk about this today, maybe. This can be overused and actually cause the stifle some damage. But the yield over button between horses. Uh, is how, like, if you have another horse grazing right here, have you ever seen two horses and one's grazing really close to the back foot of another horse? If you notice, that horse will look, will make an eyeball or a gesture right here, and this horse will step, just step aside. Oh, it's just cool. a way for them to say, hey, don't kick, I'm back here. Yeah. When two horses are passing each other, and they're going to have mutual respect for each other's bubbles, 
one horse will yield this button away. So the back of this button is right here. So it's sort of the back of that joint, right? And it's in the groove here, this little groove. Uh, and this, I just call it the sit down button. And horses use this when they're sitting, like they're gonna lie down or getting up, but they also use it for a collection. So they sit here in order to lift up here, right? For any purposes. Yep. So um, all of these buttons do have corresponding uh, meaning to as far as like if, if we're coming from a Chinese medicine perspective you can see all that if you're coming from a um, nervous system perspective you can see all that if you're coming from a fascia perspective so that it all it all has correlation what's different uh, from my perspective this thing that I add is that these are buttons that are intrinsic to the horse's communication system so they don't know it's Chinese medicine and they don't know that there's nerves in there. All they know is that I trigger this button when I want to say this thing to my buddy. And because you hadn't researched all of the pressure points and everything when right. creating the buttons, because the buttons came directly from, from observing horse on horse conversations. And on Wednesday, we have Dr. Harmon coming on to talk about acupuncture. So I'm sure we'll get into meridians. Oh. And if you could send me photos of, of Dottie, was a suggested body. Yes, I saw that. Dottie. I really think is really cute. Um, but if you can send pictures of Dottie to me and I can ask Joyce uh, it, what the corresponding acupuncture points are to the different dots that you have on her. Okay, great. I think that would make a, a really nice correlation. Somebody's saying um, the point is uh, large intestine 11, but I'm not sure which point now that Susan's referring I to. Assume it's probably the, the backup button. The backup button. Well, the first one. It yeah. might be the first one. Yeah, the backup button. Yeah, I don't know. This. I have the acu we I have the book. We have an acupuncture. Okay, <laughs> hey, look, we want everybody to come and listen to the acupuncture lecture on Wednesday. Carmen. <laughs> so, um, so someone else had said that these they they looked up and there's a uh, was it core nerves, was it core nerve? It's the it, well, I, I have I have a friend who does ethological neurology and so she was like, well that responds oh, so, like to major nerve cords. major nerve major nerve oh nerve wow cords, right yeah so I you know I I listen to everybody I like to talk to people who are smarter than me. Um, but for my work and my profession, I would get very distracted if I tried to memorize yeah. all that stuff. Oh yeah, but it's interesting to know that their communication centers are often hotspots in other, other systems. And I think that's one of the things about all these webinars is the more I do them and talk to different people, the more I realize that we're, we're really, we keep coming back to these basic ideas, but we all have our own avenue in. Um, and it's very much to me like the Feldenkrais method, which is differentiate and then integrate. And so we're yeah. differentiating by talking about all these different uh, perspectives, horse speak, acupuncture, you know, uh, fascia, meridians, and then tying it back together because what we're seeing is this is really, it's one system. Mm -hmm. And we have to look at it as one system with these different touch points, if you will, on that one system and it all keeps relating. Somebody's just asked about the webinar. Um, you can sign up for all of the webinars by going to the Surefoot Equine YouTube, uh, sorry, Surefoot Equine website, surefootequine.com because there's a calendar there and I'm now putting up all of the webinars on that calendar. You just click on the date, click on the link that opens from the date and you can register straight from the website. So just go there and you're going to find the links to sign up for Dr. Harmon's webinar. Okay. So, um, there is a one thing, someone asked a question. Yeah. On the Q &A. Making. Yeah. Let me just read it. Sure. Um, 
So um, thank you so much for these valuable sessions. I have a question about a sound my horse often makes at the end of a ride, particularly after a lesson. He gives a very soft, deep nicker. Initially, he would only nicker once, but lately he may repeat it up to 10 times. The sound is so soft that I often have to look for a nostril flutter to know he's talking. The sound occurs before I dismount, often when he's been standing on a loose rein and totally relaxed. Until recently, he would only make the sounds for me, but today he honored my trainer with several nickers at the end of his ride. This is a great question because I have a horse that I'm trimming and she'll do, she did that last night. She makes this same kind of soft sound. So what is that, Sharon? Yeah, well, this is the, an easy way to think about uh, breath communication or soft sound communications. If the breath is soft or the sound is soft, then the feelings are soft. If the breath is hard and the sound is hard, then the feelings are hard. So it, it's really like, um, uh, think of it as a map for the quality of expression and we do the same thing so we're like ah oh, that was really nice and it's a ah uh, and it's a soft or we're saying whoo that's over you know and then there's that kind of expression so they don't have uh, verbal language the way we do but they certainly express and augment their communication especially domestic horses are, are a little bit more likely to give these sounds than wild horses have learned to be a lot more quiet so in domestic situations horses have um, they were a lot of them are more comfortable. And I had one mare who loved lateral work so much. So like there's all this, you know, straightness training. And there's a, well, back in the day, I was just doing this lateral work with this mare. She would start to whinny to the point of overexcitement. Like, <laughs> like she got crazy. We were going to do like a little shoulder in. And then she'd be like, Whoa, and do it like, Whoa, and just be done. And then stand there like, that was amazing. That was awesome. And we had... I'm like, wow, you're very dramatic. <laughs> I'm glad, glad you, you like you it. Lot. You're awesome. <laughs> um, so, ha um, have you identified a number of different sounds that horses make at this point? And if so, how many? Yeah, yeah, there's probably 200. Um, I keep, how I, many did, are there in the book? Eight? I, I don't know. I Is really, don't, I literally don't messages? know how many because in my head, like, I hear the nuances and translate them. So then I have to remember to say to people, so, and it's so much and it's overwhelming. So I try to keep it simple. So there's a greeting breath, which is often really wide open nostrils. They are really wide and they're breathing you in. They're looking, they're, they're, the middle of their forehead is aimed at you and the nostrils are breathing you in. It's not a nostril flare that's stressful where the head is high and they're like, what's that? That's a hard breath. That's more like a sentry breath. So a soft, low head, soft breath, soft welcoming, all right? It's part of a beckoning. Um, high head, intense breath, that's what the heck is that over there? So we can't, the thing we can't do is simulate the nostril. I mean, I guess we could, but it'd be kind of ugly. <laughs> so what we do is use our mouth to simulate the, the opening, like they open their nostrils. So you can open and nice, soft outward breath or to say, yeah, I see the boogeyman over there, let me protect you. You can over there like that. And then the follow-up to that is a sound of smacking your lips and breathing out. So when horses relax and we call it a lick and chew, and there's like physiology behind that, mm -hmm. we call it a lick and chew, they make that sound in other reasons, for other reasons as well. So when a horse is inviting a horse to come over, they'll go, 
right? So in, when you're inviting a horse to come back to relaxation, let go of the stressor, or come to you, yep, just nom, 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 like you've got something yummy that you're chewing on. And I've actually caught hard to catch horses by going, pretending I have an apple and going, mm. and they're like, well, what are you eating? And they came right over. <laughs> so, so just smacking your lips, some horses will just like stop whatever they were doing and turn and look at you and go, what do you have? I, that's how I can catch Rocky from, he's out grazing. I smack my lips and he lifts his head and we greet. And I said, thanks Rocky, let's, let's go. go. Like an wow. grass, you know? So it's, it's a high impact gesture for sure. Well, then we have some horses that, um, they're called high blowers. Have you heard about that term? Yeah. Um, I had a little quarter horse, Andy, and he was a high blower. Just the, and I don't know if that's just the shape of the nostrils, the false nostril and the way the air passes through it. Um, yeah, I think it can be sometimes like the way the horse is shaped and some of the breeding. And also I, I wonder about the air passage, air the passage of air, like the quality of it or where the highway is set. I think there can be, sometimes there's something physiological going on for horses to say they kind of breathe funny. So I guess it sounds like in terms of sounds, we could go all the way from air, breathing, lips, and then actual vocalizations. Yes. Whinnies, yeah. snorts. Um, and some of them, like somebody's mentioned, um, where was it? Uh, knickers, like when you go onto a certain side, like uh, sexual invitations, you know, or mm -hmm. nurturing invitations or um, like full, full mayor kind of interactions. Right. Um, we you know, have the nurturing breath, which is kind of like a backward snort where it's like, <clears throat> like you got, like you got a, you, you got a, you, you got, got a, a sinus infection. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, <clears throat> you know, <laughs> it's such but a lovely sound. It's it a lovely is, sound. but horses <laughs> appreciate it. Yes. Yeah, there, there have been some horses that get caught from that sound. They go, you're a nurturer? Oh, well, why didn't you say so? Let me come over. Yeah, and you know, mommy, actually, Mommy did it this morning, which is she? surprising. Yeah, Mommy and Luna does it almost every single time we approach her. But Mommy was kind of surprised this morning. The other, uh, my horse Dakota has a, a hoof abscess right now. Oh, okay. And I went to cold hose her foot. She was loose eating grass and I happened to be watering the garden and I had the hose and I was like, huh. And I came over and I stroked down her leg and then I, I breathed out her to the nurturing breath. So I'm gonna cold hose your leg. Now she's loose. I don't even have a halter on her. And I start cold hosing and the moment it touched her foot, she went <clears throat> like, that was her way of being, you're nurturing me. And she just oh. stood there. She's like, oh, it feels so good. So, so I think it's useful to know what the calming messages are. You know, yes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Because we always, you know, that's the thing is that we always want to be able to help our horses calm down. Um, just quickly, somebody's asking uh, about your Dottie, where you got her. <laughs> this is from Germany. It's in Germany. It's a, it's called Kosen. K-O-S-E-N. Okay. Yeah. Someone said there's a, um, Saddle threads is a place that they just made like stuffed, like real looking horses. horses. So yeah, yeah, handmade in Germany. And yeah, it's really. They nice. have other animals as well. Now that I'm looking at the pamphlet, there's a there's a whole pam. Yeah, there's all kinds. Okay, so that's a great. I I know the Europeans. Um, I, I got a little fun horse there too, and I have these little little tiny ones. You pull their tail and they they canter. Away. <laughs> <laughs> They're really great. <laughs> All right. Uh, somebody's wanting to know about buttons for a name, but I think because you call them buttons, I think it's probably maybe a little confusing to call them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
I kind so of like the, uh, one question was Sharon, um, which personality do you think the mayor was who loved the lateral work? <laughs> oh, yeah. She, she was actually, um, she was mostly a queen, mm. this horse. And so it made her look good. And so then she was very excited. She felt sassy about, about it. Well, feeling good, looking good. And sort of like I, her subject was acknowledging the power of her presence. And so she was like, this is great. I you love this. this? So that was, and you don't find, I don't find a lot of queens, but this horse was definitely a queen. So, yeah. All right. So what I thought we'd do is um, I was going to play a little video of a horse on a surefoot pad and because people have loved when you've talked about that. So I've just randomly gone through my videos and I've picked a video. I haven't even watched it yet. We'll just um, screen share, pop that up, get that out of the way. All right. So you should be seeing a gray horse on the screen. Huh? Yeah, we see it. Okay. Um, I won't tell you anything about her to start with. I'll just play the video. And she's, uh, she's been on pads before. This is not her first time. And she's on soft pads. I was going to say those look really soft. Yep, they are. Yeah, big blink, big nostrils. Other side. Yep, well, actually, with this, to me, this turning, having her head all the way one Switching. side, all the way the other, there's two things that I read about that communication. One, she's... Um, and so there was like a little jolt there when she went to change direction. Her ear heard something and then she jolted. So this is a lot of, I'm scanning the horizon. It's not as big as a sentry, which is like full alert. I can't even be here right now. I can't even pay attention because I'm on full alert. She's paying attention. She's present with the pads. So this is more of a scan the horizon where she's just making sure the world is okay. So she can relax and stand on the pads and she's doing that for herself. So in this case, if the person kind of mirrored her and just looked at what she was looking at and then looked back at her and did a relaxing message, like a big breath out or look down at the ground or yes and no with your own head. You're basically saying to the horse, yeah, it's, you know, I've checked too and I think it's safe. I think all is well. Um, the other thing I noticed is that she, she uses really equal, equilateral movement. So she's looking one side and she looks the other and she does the same bend with her neck. So to me, that's trying out one leg and then trying out the other leg. It's like a more, ex more exaggerated, um, more like a rock the baby. Because you, you, know, you and I, like we see so much that they, they start rocking. But this is kind of like one side, then I yield it, and I'm on the other side, and I'm checking both sides. So she's just really needing that outer bubble to be okay so that her inner bubble can be okay. Yeah, and this is a horse that was fairly new to this place. Um, and she was rather nervous and we've used her foot up at the at the barn But this was the lower arena and when you come down here, she would be much more alert more anxious mm. um, Absolutely. Um, this is kind of fun. So, um, Alora, maybe you can kind of keep track of the trap chat while I keep track of the uh, Oh, sorry, right. you can't see the video, but you guys just saw it. So it should have been okay um, I'm so, what were you Someone at? said about mutual yawning and it goes on and on I think yawning can have two stages. Yawning can be a release of tension on one hand, and it can also be, I'm feeling tense and I'm trying to release tension on the other. So like, I'm sure Wendy, you've been in situations where horses are yawning because they've got a lot of built up tension. They don't know what to do with it. In the other case, like with the surefoot pads, I find that they get to a place where they start yawning and breathing because they're actually letting go of the tension. So I would just, if a horse is yawning excessively, 
I would do a little scan the horizon or sentry for them and be like, is, you know, I'm looking around, there's no tigers and bears, I think you're safe. Yep. And this is the same horse uh, not very long after. Okay. Um, you can see that we did something else. She's got yellow slants behind, but now we see that we have a relaxed, soft face. Uh, yeah. Those are other. Oh, here she is. Yeah. Again, but this is in the upper arena. You want to play it? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So there's still this little bit of scan the horizon, but she feels a little more secure in here. Plus, there's other horses. Mm -hmm. So she's. And that tail swish was really interesting. Yeah. Can you stop right there for a second? Yeah, I can. Absolutely. I can. Yeah, that'd be great. Because that was interesting. Because the horse went, see that horse behind getting ridden? Mm -hmm. Look right here. She, she gives an ear. She looks at that horse. And then she does a tail swish. Right so there. She, says, horse, she says, oh, stop it already to that other horse. <laughs> <laughs> so Where, she's telling the other horse not to be ridden or what? Don't come horse, near just, me. Don't, don't oh. look at me. Don't bother stop, me. You know. <laughs> Oh, that makes all the sense in the world. Yep. <coughs> Why? Um, because she would very much enjoy the pads. And if that horse is going to disturb her, she wouldn't appreciate that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And then you can see, look at this nostril flare right here. Yes. Right? It's quite yep. big. Mm -hmm. Right? Right there. And you see it again. Yep. Big breaths. Yep. And then she comes to the center of herself. Yep. And says, okay, I'm going to just go forward. So on one hand, it might have been a little bit helpful for her to have another horse around. But on another hand, it's like trying to get a massage with somebody sitting in the room with you talking. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, hang on, I'm trying to get my computer to let me go forward here. Um, well, that was an interesting horse, but I'm not sure. I have had a 19-year-old since he was born. He is very sensitive. He hates to be brushed. Yeah, there. You know, I've met some horses recently that had the skin brushy thing, either. And this woman, um, who is a small animal vet, so she she just went all out. And finally, they figured out that this horse they did an allergy panel on him, and he's allergic to everything: to everything. leather, synthetic, yes. all the grasses known to man. Right. <laughs> so she had to go and get very specific tack, very specific brushes and things. And he's still sensitive, but he can tolerate. And she had to put him on, um, I don't know, some kind of regular antihistamine that he just to help him because his skin was literally on fire. And some horses really seem to like more of the mane brush, mane and tail brush, rather than a curry comb. Or they really just like long, slow strokes in one direction with kind of more of a hard um, toothed brush. So yeah, it really does take with some horses experimenting with your grooming equipment. Um, and like my horse absolutely cannot stand a virtual brush on his face, but I can use the hands-on gloves all over his face. And it's, you know, it, we just have to be a little more attentive and try some different things. Some really sensitive horses need just a little sheepskin. They really can't, they're like yeah. the thoroughbreds. They're so sensitive that you yes. have to really downgrade. I, um, I find like if, if I have a horse that I'm working with who can't handle the, the brushing, sometimes it's the core energy. Sometimes you're facing the, you know, so you're Good facing point. the horse and your core energy, because you're brushing them, is loud to them. It's like the volume is up. If you imagine that there's like flames coming out of your belly and the flames are on high. So if you can drop into an O posture, turn your shoulder to them and brush from the side, do a couple sample strokes and then step away and just say, hey, I, I'm going to just do this for a little while, see if this helps you. I actually have a picture in my first book 
of a mare who I'm doing that. I'm just, I have a brush and here we are. And she's tossing her head and flipping out on the cross ties. And I turn sideways like this and hold up the brush and she's fine. So sometimes it's the core energy is just screaming loud for some horses. They're like, oh, so turn it off. Yep. Um, so somebody's just asked, um, what are the pads for? So um, Sh Sharon, since how would you, I'm just going to have you describe, what are the pads for, Sharon? And then I'll tell them. <laughs> Well, I have a sip from my. You do that. You do yeah, that. That I can't spill anymore. <laughs> okay, so uh, emotionally speaking, horses like to. I'm, I'm going to come from a couple different angles. Mm. Horses like to create a safety object for themselves. They'll do it by making a pile of poo and sniffing it repeatedly. They'll do it by having a, a corner. That's my corner. This is my post. This is my thing. I know someone that had a. Uh, um, uh, like a utility thing out in the middle of the field, the horses would go to the utility thing and that, that's their safety object. Um, so horses, it, part of their worldview is like, what makes me safe? Where's my grounding rod? And so the surefoot pads can actually start to do that for them where they like surefoot pads, that's safe. Wherever those pads are, I'm gonna be okay. Mm -hmm. So that's on an interesting sort of emotional or psychological level. On a physiological level, um, the, what Wendy and I have talked about is they're getting all kinds of uh, opportunity to rebalance, remap. So their, their mental and emotional gets remapped because they're rebalanced. When a horse, let me explain this, when a horse rebalances their body, they get to rebalance whatever got out of balance. So they, what they can't go do is strategize about the future. We're hunters, so we strategize, right? We think about the future and how am I gonna get this to happen? They're not hunters, they're prey animals, so they're excellent problem solvers, but their proprioception is geared towards responding and outmaneuvering, whereas ours is geared towards outwitting, coming up with ways or paradigms that I can get what I want. There's coming up with ways and paradigms that I can use what I know to problem solve this environment. So I think when you're putting them on the surefoot pads and the brain gets this opportunity to like, whoa, go inside and re reboot on so many levels, right? And we, we don't even know how many levels. It'll be great someday when the someday monitor them. Then the, the pad is giving that brain an opportunity to reboot on so many levels. And the, the, the way the horse sees the pad in the future is like, that's my safety spot. And since you, the human, brought it to them, they're like, You're, you bring my safety spot. So they, have, they can renegotiate their relationship with you too. That's yep. what I have to say. That's awesome. And so uh, one of the things about doing all these webinars, the question that I've always been asking is, how is Surefoot working? So the pads are called Surefoot Pads, and it's part of the Surefoot Equine Stability Program that I created starting in 2012. And somebody asked about the old pads. When I started, there was no such thing as rebalancing a horse by standing them on a pad. It didn't exist. And so I started with human products, which are fine, um, but they don't have the durability and you don't have the choices that you have with the line that I created specifically for horses, the Surefoot Equine Pads. And what we found was a lot of horses actually needed a harder surface that gives the heat and pressure but doesn't have a lot of lateral instability because they weren't ready to be challenged. So my, my example is if you've never stood on a BOSU and you go to stand on a BOSU for the first time, you're like, whoa, this is a lot to process. And so we have... Um, four different densities of pads and two styles, slants and flats. And so we can offer the horse a graded experience of instability from very little to a lot. 
And that way the horse gets to, to rebalance their own body. And what we've been finding and talking to all these different veterinarians and farriers and everything is that the, the horse's ability to respond given the opportunity is huge. And so the pads provide an opportunity for the horse to reprogram their own brain, to reset their own brain, but also to reset their proprioceptors and their balance. And with that, we see changes in behavior. And that's one of the most significant things that we see. But it makes sense because if you're feeling out of balance, which after eight years of doing this, I'm completely convinced that 99.9% .9 of behavior problems are actually balance problems. Mm -hmm. um, that, that when you can offer the horse the opportunity to feel grounded and secure, these behaviors disappear. Mm -hmm. And then you have a horse that you can train, that you can have a conversation with, that isn't wasting its energy, being anxious or nervous and difficult to handle because of it. Like so many times we talk about the horse being disrespectful. But to me, it, that horse is just simply falling out of balance. And then we chase it backward, but we don't actually say, look, here you are, here you, here's where you are. You can be here and you can feel grounded. And that's right. what the surefoot pads offer to the horses. They self-correct. Mm -hmm. The person's job is to facilitate the process, but the horse is self-correct and they're allowed to walk off. They're allowed to choose. They're allowed to say no. Um, and so we give them a voice and it's really interesting because um, when Sharon was thinking about the title of her first book, it, it was about giving the horses a voice. And I talk about giving the horses a voice with surefoot pads all the time. Right. So, um, yeah. And, and that's why, like, we, that's why we have so much fun together, Wendy. So. <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, guys are uh, twins. <laughs> okay, so somebody's asking about leaving the pads in the stall overnight. No. Do not leave the pads in the stall overnight for a number of reasons. One, they could chew on them. They, you know, they could ignore them. But so much of what Surefoot is about is your observation of your horse. You being there offering it to your horse. You want that horse to connect with you and the pads because then you become part of the safety system. And the, the number of horses that I've never known and I just walk up and I start doing Surefoot and they want to follow me around. The owners say, my horse likes you better than me. And it's not that they horse likes me better, but I have said, you're safe with me. Yes. And that value of safety is so huge to horses. So you want the horse to connect directly with you as the one who brings the comfort, that brings the pads. Um, and so somebody said, I've been exploring the pads. What's happening psychologically when the horse chooses to stand on only one pad? I can't tell you. <laughs> Um, you know, one pad versus two. I mean, I've had horses that will only rest a toe for weeks, only rest a toe or only stand on it with one foot. But I trust that the horses know their body better than I do. I, you know, and that's the assumption that I have to make is they know their body and they know what feels good to them. And so I'm just a facilitator in this process. Um, I think with Sharon, it's the interpretation, which is so fabulous. But we, those of us offering pads to our horses, we're facilitating the horse and we're saying, what would you like? Let me help you. Yes. And that's really what the deal is, is we're just there to provide the opportunity for the horse to be able to self-explore. I want to add something that, <clears throat> because this came up in conversation several times over the past couple of weeks, it's in the air. Um, Oftentimes, what went out of balance in a horse's life could have happened when they were weaned. Yes. Uh, as I think of a lot of horses, not all of them, but a lot of horses have been sort of through like the foster care system, you know. They, they, they're pulled away from their mother and then they're put in with whatever. If ho horses 
like like other prey animals, like elephants. If you don't have a mature elephant to guide the orphan elephants, it's really bad because an elephant needs an elephant to know how to become an elephant. And horses need older, wise, calm mentors to model behaviors for that horse to actually grow up. And so one of the things that I think goes out of balance for a lot of horses is they get almost like stunted because they got inconsistent communication with horses or they're in a barn with a lot of other horses that are in the same or similar state. There's not like a great mentor that can model the way. And part of that, again, is going back to how to, how do all of our brains remember things from emotional impact, Mm -hmm. but horse brains in particular remember emotional impact moments. And then that's how they problem solve. So if they don't have a new emotional impact moment, they, they're stuck. They can't find a way out. So I think on that level, the surefoot pads, what I've seen in my horses, because I'm always working, all my horses are, are boo-boo babies. They're all boo-boos. So my horses are using the pads and working out stuff that I've been working out with them as well. And it gives them the agency, like you said, to mm, say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on this. One of my horses has terrible, her left, right, is like crosswired and part of that's a bad tooth adjustment she had several years ago which made me learn all about good teeth balancing and where that, I mean, that's a whole world oh yeah I'm um <laughs> but she's good she's so crosswired that she'll stand with her front feet and one of them will do this whoa and i'm like are you comfortable she's like i don't know and I'll, she loves <laughs> the pads loves the pads she'll be she did stand there for like 10 minutes yeah oh. she really used them. and then her daughter luna she she's like a one, one foot one foot maybe the tip of a slant like and that's it you can't offer her any other things that's she's just one at a time <laughs> and, and you know i mean horses are like people and that we all have different ways of processing information some mm-hmm. of us are quick some of us are slower doesn't mean we're, we're less intelligent we just ponder more mm-hmm. some want just a dose of something and consider it. Other horses is like, just give me as much as you can. And so, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's really no difference in the way horses want to receive information than people in a general sense. Mm-hmm. But then it's really finding how to address that individual, whether that's with horse speak. Again, you have to, you know, you could come in too strong with your greeting. You might have to be softer right. or somebody else needs you louder. And it's, and it's having the tact, right? You know, it's called rider tact in riding, having the tact to be able to modulate to meet the individual and to really be willing to accept to to downgrade or upgrade to their level instead of what we mostly try to do is get people to meet us where we're at instead of meeting where they're at and that's very true in horses that we want the horse to be what we want and if this is our training program this is how it's got to go and if you can't make this training program you're out of here there's a lot of trainers like that they can be incredibly successful but there's a lot of horses that washed out yeah Uh, and Mm -hmm. so this idea of being able to modulate whether it's with horse speak or surefoot pads to that individual to help that individual find self-confidence grounding you know, all they get is those four little feet, which really isn't very much when you think about the square surface, you know, the square inches of yeah. surface area. It's really tiny. And going all the way back to what you said in the beginning about putting your hand over, a ch- over your chest and <clears throat> self-soothing. But I think, you know, why are we with, most people are with horses because they feel good around what they like them. They're intru- they want to have a relationship with them. And empathy is what causes relationship to happen. Mm. So if one party and the partnership is stressed, out 
all the time. There's, there's very limited empathy. The empathy that you're having is to, to try to contain this box of nerves. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes afraid. <laughs> one small thing that we, well, it's kind of, it's a small big thing that we teach with horse speak is, you know, you're talking about, you need to be able to, I'm a former bartender in my former life. So I wouldn't talk to a woman who was in her seventies versus a gal who was 21. Like, you know, I would totally have a different affect with both of them. But for when we're talking about horses, the body language that we're using very simply are you more of an X posture, shoulders back, kind of walk, like with your all business? Or are you more of an O posture person? So then you're actually more welcoming and just being able to learn a little bit about yourself and how you are, because the X posture is more of a driving and then the O posture is more welcoming. If you're an O posture person, you could have a problem with your horse constantly in your space because they're like, where is Where's your boundary? boundary? Mm. Yeah, for if sure. You're an exposure person, it might be hard to catch your horse. Yes, because they're like, you're too much. I got to go. <laughs> so just that that little distinction is a huge, huge uh, game changer for things that you're trying to do with your horse. Yeah. You know, it, it just gets so fascinating. This, ha, ha, um, you know, I swear I was never going to work with people when I started. <laughs> what? <laughs> I did. I was like way back when I was like never going to, I just wanted to work with horses. And you know, but what I keep finding is that if I don't help people become more understanding of their horse, I can't help the horse. Right. And I think one of the things that Surefoot does for, for me is it acts as an, a window and an avenue and a, and a magnifier to help people understand what their horse is going through in terms of his balance and then relate that to the experience they have with their horse. Yes. Like, the anxious horse and why is my horse dragging me back to the bar? Well, look, you know, your horse is anxious and when your horse is calm, they can let their neck down, their back comes up and maybe then they're, you know, going to be more cooperative. Um, and so that's just one of the things and what your work does so beautifully is help people understand that as well and, and understand the language of the horse within the herd, within the subtle languages, so that we can start to recognize that we we're we're missing the communication that's really key the subtle stuff yes and as we tune into the subtle stuff then they appreciate the fact that we're not screaming right or disappearing right yes. Yes. and then we can have this conversation of going oh i see what you you know you need this or you're worried about that let me help you and then it's a conversation and like yeah. you said, you know, what I witnessed, especially when I met you in Equitana, that whole scene, which was so amazing. And we crazy. met in Germany, actually. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. Um, instant what, friends in a minute. <laughs> and what I saw was that horses could also arrive at a place where the experience of the surefoot pads was so pleasing and centering and balancing, and that all the humans that were there, even if there's a rider on their back, we're interested in the horse's sense of well-being that the horse because emotional impact creates new memory moments and so the emotional impact of that moment opened empathy from the horse to the people so even if like we're not perfect and we have you know we can't yeah. be calm or whatever's going on if you consistently offer these moments to the horse they can fill in a little bit more they could say well i get you really have the best goals in mind whereas if you really don't understand your own body language and you're flailing and all over the place. They're looking at you like you're an octopus. I don't even know what you want. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Well, and you know, the other thing that <laughs> realizes that horses have a huge electromagnetic field. And when they drop into the, into the empathy, the grounding and the solidness, and I watch this all the time in Surefoot workshops, everybody looks, you know, in about two hours, everybody's toast. They're drunk. They're drunk on positive flowing energy that is affecting our electromagnetic field because we feel it's like resonating. Everybody gets on the same frequency and everybody just drops into this um, deep state of relaxation. And so when I'm doing surefoot workshops, I have to break it up a lot because <laughs> it's in two yeah. hours, you know. Everyone's napping. Yeah. You know, that brings <laughs> up a really good point about when we're first asking folks to start doing horse speak and a lot of it's about observation. And when you start doing some of the, the mirroring. mirroring or just some of the different tasks that we offer is doing them from outside of the pen for that reason where, you know, you can practice keeping your nervous system down while you're exploring this new way of being around the horse. So then you have a lot of practice outside the pen. Then when you go in, then, you know, you've, you both have been <coughs> practicing where you can have this space right you've had a little time to kind of figure things out so it's not so immediate that you have to be able to respond right away yeah and, and there's a there's a woman who does mustangs professionally like she's one of the um, people that the blm uses to get the first halter on the mustang right off, off the range she's been doing it for 30 years and she's learned enough horse speak now that she's like this has made my job infinitely easier wow i can get so much more done from the outside of the pen that by the time I get in there, they're practically, you know, putting their head in. And even if they still have to use like one of those catch ropes or something, just the trauma of it has just gone way. But it, way it makes so much sense because from the outside, you're saying I'm protecting you. Yes. Yeah. Whereas in, when you get on the inside, you're saying I'm chasing you. Yes. You yes. Know? It's what? like, it's really simple. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. I, there's been a bunch of questions. I just want to kind of go through here. So I don't understand Colleen Price's oh. Redner or... So I'm not sure about that one. Um, do you use the pads two at a time or offer them or offer that up to the horse? So you start with one foot, but ultimately some horses might wind up on four pads. Some might, you know, want to just stay with one. So it really becomes the choice of the horse. They want all of them. <laughs> and the, the more unstable, you know, you have to go slowly because you're creating instability. And, it, and if it's too much, the horses can't handle it. They'll just walk off, you know, if they right. really can't handle it. Um, German meeting. Oh, I think, or, oh, I think it was a, for a name for your, for your, um, horse. Oh, for the horse. Oh, okay. That okay. makes sense. Um, okay. <laughs> to get first big investment. Okay. So the bottom line with the pads in terms of your first choice, if your horse is nervous, anxious, pulls back, has any kind of tweakiness, you either start with the half, the physio pad, which is for the really anxious, nervous horses and for, for working with them with other treatments or hard or firm if they're calm and that's really where you start and it's a very clear distinction if there's any kind of anxiety or problems you start with hard or physio um, physio is just small uh, it's thinner so if you really have a horse that's very bracy very stuck um, I start with the physio pad typically the half physio pad is easy <laughs> to handle um, and if they're calm, you know, they're easygoing, they can take things in pretty well, then firm. And there's charts and videos, and I have a lot of videos on the YouTube channel, so you can go and watch those. It's how to choose your first pair of pads. Um, let's see. Let's see. Uh, never had a shift. You can, also, um, you can also do this gesture, the palm of your hand. The horses don't have hands. 
but they have flat surfaces. And a horse will offer support to another horse by showing a flat surface. So this is our flat surface. Mm. If you aim your palm at the zone of the horse that's having a hard time and just breathe, just literally, this is so simple. Stand there, breathe, aim your palm, don't move for like 30 seconds to a minute. And what you're saying to the horse is, I got you. Don't even, don't even touch them because that's too much pressure. Just, I got you. Then step away, then come in with the pad. I would use that with mummy and my blind horse. I was gonna ask you about the blind horse, but go ahead with the questions. Okay, so um, how young can you start with a horse? We've had people start foals. Um, obviously super short sessions, physiopad, really simple. We've actually had foals that um, like they were born a little bit crooked and they just set it up where the foal, they didn't force it at all. They just kind of set it up where the foal could kind of wander over the pad. And, and um, Bess Miller actually has done a lot with foals and seen amazing changes. Um, my thoroughbred loves the pads, great relaxation. However, we went out in the field and halfway out heard hounds and leapt out of control. Okay, so um, dangerous behavior. Yeah, I'm glad you dismounted and I realized you need miles. So um, yes, you can take the pads with you on a trail ride, but what I would suggest is now that you've had that experience out there, I would actually go halfway out, work with, start in the arena, work with the pads, go halfway out, work with the pads, go back to the place where he got anxious, work with the pads to make that an okay place. The nice thing is they're lightweight and portable. You can just throw them in a backpack if you need to take them with you. I mean, it's really, um, but you have to realize that hounds are a big deal to thoroughbreds, right? It's a lot of activity. And if they're not used to it and they see other horses running and stuff, it can really get their blood up and they think it's, you know, something like Dangerous. that. Dangerous. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> Do you have any suggestions when you have a horse that gets that alert, Sharon, mm -hmm. what's something that we can do to help settle them? Like say we don't have our pads, you know, it's like. Right. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm going to answer that on two parts. I'll try to be quick. One part is understand the horse's worldview a little differently because uh, you can go somewhere with a dog and they're excited to go because they want to sniff a new sniff because they're hunters. But horses map out territory. And then when a horse is mapping out territory, they prefer to go slow and check all the thresholds and make sure there's no bees, boogeymen, bears, right? All the bees, all the danger bees, right? Bees, boogeymen, and bears. So <laughs> they want to, they, they like to look and, and it's really important to them. And when we're riding them, they don't have that opportunity. So the more work you can do with them, bringing them to new threshold places and, and looking with them for the bees, the bears, and the boogeymen, and showing that there's a safety object here, like the Sherford pads. I love it for this because they are actually rebalancing and getting the safety message, and you're on the lookout with them. When you've modeled that behavior a few times and you've done the breath with it and you've done the same thing, you've touched them in the same place, you've stroked their neck the same way, now when you're on them, you should be able to stroke the neck like that, breathe like that, rock the baby like that, have the same message. You just happen to transfer it to the saddle. So that's how I would answer that. And, and like, you have to realize that a horse's heart rate can accelerate. I mean, in, it's so rapid. It's, mm -hmm. it's, um, I've watched horses heart rate on a, on a monitor and it can jump from 40 to 180 and back down like that. I mean, it's wow. the ability wow. for them to accelerate is so huge. Mm -hmm. And of course, thoroughbreds are bred to accelerate. Right. So the more we can develop off switches, I think of them as off switches, teaching yes. the horse how to toggle the parasympathetic switch, the rest and digest, mm -hmm. using the surefoot pads, doing the horse speak, using the Tellington Jones work, anything mm -hmm. we can yeah. do to help toggling down and te literally teaching them how to self-calm. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, is it going to be 100%? Nothing's 100%. But 
can you can you can you have them come back faster that's the goal is that they, they might... maintenance is what i like to call it say again Repetitive maintenance yeah. so you practice all these things you know you go you make your safety objects whether it's the pads or a cone or what have you or nose on a tree no and then i was gonna say you go out to the trail <coughs> and then you find a tree and this is our tree and we're gonna sit and breathe and we're gonna scan around the horizon, like that first gray mare that you showed, that she was scanning to make sure it was safe for her and to be able to relax. And the all's clear message. Like Which, a lot of people yeah. do scan the horizon or sentry breath, they forget the all's clear. They're like, it's making the horse worse. I'm like, you said, bears! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Make the all clear, make the all clear, clear make to the it. all clear message. <laughs> okay. Breathe out. Lick and chew. Yum, 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 yum. Okay, no good. bears. All right. Thank. Give them yeah. the give them the turn off. The uh, the off switch. Yes. The off switch. Yeah. Um. Somebody said they had the horse standing on pads in the arena, and the next day on cross ties, the horse refused to pick up the feet. Um. I have not heard of that before. I I have two questions. I'm just wondering how long you had the horse on pads in the arena, and did the horse become sore? Because you're working all these little tiny postural muscles, and I caution people all the time about keeping sessions short, especially in the beginning. Once you know how your horse is gonna respond, you can start increasing duration gradually, but you can make horses very sore in, in not very much time because it's like you starting a new exercise program, say, you know, you go to the gym and now they're gonna tell you, you're gonna stand on a BOSU for five minutes and you're constantly trying to balance, well, you get sore. And the other thing is the cross ties. I'm wondering how she was if you took her off the cross ties. So those are just some things to consider. I um, and, and like I just started riding a bicycle I'm again. I'm glad you're saying this. And, and here I am. <laughs> oh, I'm like, didn't I used to do this I for ten her. hours a day as a kid? What the? Oh I my god! Her, I'm like, <laughs> I've been riding my bike a little bit here and there. I'm like, you need to do it because you're gonna be so surprised <laughs> when you pedal for like ten feet. And you're gonna be like, dumb. holy crap! <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, well, and if you've you, done the activity before, you train. You'll come back yeah. faster, but you still sure. are not where you left off. <laughs> I would say to the folks who are still on the call with us, if you can hop on your bike for like two minutes and you, you ride horses, you will notice a profound change in your body when you're really riding. quick. It's yeah. like really engages your hips and you make, cause you're using your arms. So you're getting just your whole body your is core. getting activated. Yeah. It's super. So it's dry it out. And then yeah. that's a reflection of Surefoot because you know, here we are doing a balancing activity yeah. where you're like, and these tiny little micro adjustments are exhausting. Yeah. You're actually working the little tiny muscles is uh, as exhausting as big muscles. I mean, people don't realize, and that's where the Feldenkrais work when you're doing these little tiny slow movements, it's mm -hmm. very tiring because they require a lot of energy. And so if you're not used to using those little tiny muscles, say you have had an injury or you've been out of balance or you stand crooked and now suddenly you're having to work them, you can get really exhausted. And I've yeah. known horses to be sore from just, you know, 20 minutes of sure foot total, like standing and walking 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that we wanted to talk about before we get done, and it's already, we've blown through that hour. It's already Whoa. done, basically. <laughs> it is two already. <laughs> One of the things we wanted to talk about was that Sharon asked me to talk about the term disengaging the hindquarters. Yes. And it's a term that actually, if you go back to the old text, was interpreted entirely differently than the modern horsemanship interpretation. And uh, the reason I say that is, this is one of my favorite books. It's Understanding Equitation by Jean Saint-Fort Payard. 
and you can find it on Amazon used copies. Typically you can find them, you know, for a couple of bucks. Um, it's not in print anymore, but he has a whole chapter where he talks about engagement. And I, it's, um, I won't, I won't go into reading it here, but um, just that he defines it as an equilibrium. So after impulsion, the equilibrium of the horse, whatever it is being used for, is the principal factor in the performance and should be one of the rider's main concerns. Oh wait, that's equilibrium, sorry. I was reading the wrong chapter. There's engagement. He defines it, there it is, there is engagement. That, that's also good information. Ah, the word engagement, frequently used in modern equitation language, has a very simple, very precise meaning. It is the fact that a horse brings its hind legs forward more or less underneath its body. So in all the traditional texts, the understanding of engagement is the hind leg coming forward under the body. Disengagement is when the hind leg is going behind the body, think back, okay? So engagement is any time the leg is coming under. Then we have to talk about quality of engagement, good engagement versus poor engagement. When we think of good engagement, that's when the hind foot is what's called tracking up. It's stepping into the print of the forefoot. Excellent visualization. Just move the front <laughs> leg back a little so you can see where the print was. So have your front leg, where's your front leg? There you go. So the hind leg is gonna step into the print of the foreleg. That's good engagement. Um, it's also called tracking up. Over tracking is when the hind leg exceeds the print of the forefoot. Um, my horse, Al, actually has an 18-inch overtrack, and I have a slow-motion video of that, which um, think about, I'll put it up somewhere on Facebook, maybe, so that you can see that. It's literally 18 inches. Um, and so disengagement is the hind leg going behind the body. Now, how did we get this misconnection here with the term in the modern horsemanship? I think it came from disengaging the clutch. So when you were driving a stick shift, and you, you put the clutch in, the card you know, didn't go forward because you hadn't engaged the clutch. So it's coming from a completely different base of understanding. The problem is when we're riding a horse, we want the horse to engage the hind leg to have power, to have push. If we wanna trot, we wanna canter, we wanna go over jumps, we wanna go down the trail, we need impulsion, we need engagement and we need hind leg engagement coming under the body to carry the weight of the rider. So that if when it steps into the front of the forefoot, the force of that is pushing the back up to help carry the rider. Yep, well, your horse can't lift his back, he can only rear. Yeah. He's got a little stiff there. Got, he needs he some needs sure foot pads. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'll get my skeleton out. I gotta get him back. Yeah. But So the thing is when you have a horse, yes, understanding equitation, oh good, you titled it, you typed it in there. Um, the thing is, if you're disengaging the horse's hindquarters all the time and having them step across, you could actually be weakening certain muscles and taking away the forward thrust that we need to carry the rider. Right. Um, so it's really important to start paying attention to what you're doing in your training because we, want, we need strong stifles. Now, stifles, you have to realize, is your knee. And if your knee is weak and can't carry your weight, it's painful and you hobble. And so then we wind up with, some issues with the horses. One of the things that standing on the surefoot pads does for the hind end that we've seen is it strengthens the muscles around the hip and strengthens the hind leg. So horses that twist, you can you show us a twisting hind leg? Oh, no, um, twisting at, the, at the, the whole, like when it, yeah, you'd have to grab it like that and twist it left and right. There you go. 
So it's twisting his hocks, right? Yeah. Okay. Which means that it, that's really not a good thing because now the push from the foot against the ground is not propelling the horse forward. The energy is getting lost in the leg rotating. And we've seen horses in, in their 20s stop twisting their hocks by using surefoot. But you go back to this idea of strengthening the little muscles, the muscles that are going to stabilize, which are so critical to our overall function. I mean, most people don't even have a clue that their stabilizers are doing so much work because we don't have the same kind of innervation to the stabilizers as we do to the big muscles, your biceps, triceps, you know, quads, hams. We're much more aware of them. The stabilizers are the little tiny unsung heroes of the world, which really keep us upright. So Sharon, I don't know, is that what you were? You That's have? great. And, and just in, <clears throat> I think the other thing is that most of training has come from someone watching horses somewhere. And, and the buttons that are on the horse are often the places where trainers go to cue a horse. It's just what I discovered in horse speak is the buttons come from the horses first. So it's an interactive area where horses have emotional, mental, or practical impact for their communication with other horses. And they also self-talk. So they'll send messages. They'll get, a, I call it a twiggle. This little little as they're sending a message through their body as they think and process, you'll see it. And that this button here, the, the, it's a yield button between horses to say, pardon me, give me a little room, I'm back here. So it's a no kick agreement spot. So they will step aside. They don't always like stick their leg underneath and cross over, but they'll sort of lean or just move that a little right, bit. And so that they're moving around another an horse in an arc. And, and so and they'll a, put that nice leg underneath. So, and it's similar, it's amazing how similar, you know, th these guys are to us. And when you like tear your ACL or you have a meniscus tear or whatever, what do you need to do in therapy? You need to rebuild all those little muscles that hold your knee together. Right. Um, and somebody's just uh, chimed in that small muscles are the primary proprioceptive inputs. And that's a great lead in. We're going to have Dr. Deb Davies next week on the 24th and she's going to talk about proprioception i'm so excited about that talk because i mean we talk about proprioception all the time as a general concept but she's going to get into a little more detail on it so Excellent. i'm really excited about that yeah. and you know it's um and the other thing i'm going to mention is the the uh, webinar i did with julian Bagnon from Travalia, and he talked about how he just checks the drive he just checks the yield button once or twice and then he's done with it and he goes right to the shoulder and uses the shoulder button follow me come into me from the shoulder button which is so much more effective because then the horses are with you you're not constantly chasing them over or chasing them away and then losing that drive that's so critical and i call this the, one that's what yeah. he's saying what you're saying this is the buddy button yeah and I watched him, uh, he did a workshop here in Virginia and um, I watched him and in less than two seconds, these horses were following him all over and I ran home cause I could, and I grabbed your book and I was like, he's using an intrinsic button that he doesn't realize that you, that you have identified. And it was exactly that. And it was so yeah. fascinating to see how quickly the horses responded, but in a way that was not punitive or um, aggressive that they, we're like, oh, okay, sure, I'll be with you, as opposed to I, you, you keep pushing me, my butt over, and I have to keep facing you. Right. Which, you know, I think horses get very. Um, uh, it's unpleasant after a while, you, you know, that I keep pu pushing your butt away, pushing your butt away, and it's like, you know, come on, let's get on with the story, let's do something else that's fun. And just as a little plug, he does have my book. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and Julian is delightful. I, <laughs> I mean, just go watch the uh, the webinar with Julian Benyon. It was just so much fun, and yeah. um, he's such a delightful person. Oh yeah, really definitely. Um, and so then, speaking of the buttons, on uh, this coming Wednesday, we start our three-part series all about the buttons. We're going the front, the middle, and then the end pieces of the horse. And so that'll be excellent. We're going live at one. The front. The front. The middle. And then the end. Yes. So how can they find out more about this? They can jump on our website. Okay. So Jim just Wilson. put your website in the chat there, okay? Just yep. type it in. And so that sounds like really fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be fun. And then we also are doing a new club. So we're going to be, we're going live mm -hmm. on two hour Tuesdays. I, so. I took a, a, a note from your uh, page here and I was like, <laughs> we have to do this. So we're doing two hour Tuesdays. Two hour now. Tuesdays. It's uh, so much fun. We just did our first session last week. And basically what happens on two hour Tuesdays. Well, so what you can do is when you sign up for the club, you can, you know, like you showed your video, you can Send sign us a video. up for a video slot. We have three slots for videos and then three slots for questions. personal questions. And so we go live. We have the folks come on the audio and we go over their video or answer their question with them. Oh, and so that they're really getting a lot of learning. So it's a minimum of eight hours every month of learning with Sharon and I. And uh, wow. we have a couple members out there. Yeah. So it's been, uh, <laughs> we're really excited to get, you know, because we can't travel right now, you know, we're like, How I know. <laughs> you know, have some high impact with these folks, you know, being at home. And uh, this is the medium that we decided that would be best so that everyone can get, you know, specific attention for what they're doing with their horses. Yep. So somebody's asked me how to use the pads under the hind legs to help with twisting. First, you just have to, I would say, go watch the quick start guide that's on the Surefoot Equine YouTube channel. It tells you how to get started with Surefoot. And then you just start with a pair of flat pads first, and it might be flat, it might be angled, but it's really just providing the horse with the opportunity and keeping the sessions short, especially if that horse is weak behind, because again, you can make them sore really quickly. And this one horse, we um, literally, it was 20 minutes one day and maybe 20 minutes the next day. And the third day, he didn't want that owner to brush his stifle because it had, he'd used new muscles. So you're always better off starting with shorter sessions. My, my first time I ever did surefoot with a horse, I timed it for 15 seconds and the horse went from appearing lame to sound. So it's not about quantity of time. It's about quality of time and inputting information into the nervous system to allow it to process. The rest are so important. And I think that you guys probably realize that also is that, you know, you work a little, but you have to pause and give the horse a chance to process because, you know, when you think about the length of their body to get from there to there, it's a really long way. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think, you know, so often what we do is we tend to rush things and think that the horse can process. I see this all the time when somebody's leading their horse and they stop and expect the horse to stop in that time, but you're on two feet. And yeah, you know, right. think about the momentum of a horse's body as it's coming yeah. forward. And, and, it, and if it didn't quite catch because it was slightly distracted or something, now it's past you and now you're pulling back on it. So uh, it's really an important exercise. And it's one of the things I learned from teams so long ago is to prepare for the stop and let the horse know it's coming so you can stop together. Yes. Yes. Exactly. I did want to add, um, Wendy, about my blind horse and the Sherford pack. Oh, yeah. So she's starting to lose vision in the good eye. And what's been interesting is that she, she gets like stunted foot. She's like, where, where's the ground? Yeah. And she uses the pads and immediately after using the pads, she's just, she's got more freedom 
in her body because her muscles are getting a little bit tense because she can't always see where the ground is. So I just wanted to say that because it's been interesting. We didn't have it when she was losing the first eye. Yeah. But now the second eye is coming and going, which terrified her with the first eye. Mm. But with regular using the pads with this, she's like, gets on the pads, she goes, okay, I can't see, but I'm not afraid. Oh, fab. And so that's really neat. And then I would love to, I really wanna, I really wanna have a monitor on their brain and see what changes in their brainwave function and all that stuff. So I'm, I'm yeah, and you know that happens. Um, you, with blind people, the area of vision isn't just an empty space in the brain. What happens is that other areas of the brain occupy the space because a void is not desired, right? You're always going to fill a void. Just have some time, <laughs> right? And so what they, what's probably happening or hopefully happening is that other parts are like her hoof awareness is probably starting to fill in and occupy that space that would have been used for vision so that she can sense her world, you know, so other senses get heightened, but we need to keep helping the system in that adjustment process. And that's fabulous. That's such. Yeah. Her left, her left eye is the one that's completely blind in the right one. We're working with every supplement and whatever known to the universe to keep that right eye. Cause she has uveitis and which is just, you know, it's kind of a time bomb. Yeah. It's autoimmune, isn't it? Yeah. 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 And she's, she does have Lyme disease, blah, blah, blah. It's, yeah, 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 yeah. But it's the, it's interesting how it's the right hind, which is, you know, left eye, right hind is the one that she still is. She's like practices, like, where is this landing? And mm -hmm. it's fascinating. It was a struggle at first when she was first going blind, like it was a little bit dangerous, but now, you know, she's even with her, the good eye, maybe going a little blind, she's breaking out of fences and she's really <laughs> Meaning she's destroying the fence line because she's so confident. She's so confident now. <laughs> she marches up to it and goes yeah, right. Through. She goes right through the whole thing. So it's just you know we're gonna have to go to a, a phase a two. Fence line. Uh, <laughs> the kids, she's not breaking out. She's she's, just she goes getting for grass. The grass. She goes for grass, but she's like, oh. I'm so confident. yeah. Uh, that this, I'm not scared. Yeah. I can get myself out of a tangle. Yeah. I can fix myself. Oh, that's so, so cool. It's really interesting to see the difference. You know, there's a great word that's come up through some of these webinars and it's called resilience. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that understanding horse speak and surefoot pads both help people and horses become more resilient so that when something happens, we have tools and we can understand and we can make choices and we can make change. Yeah. And, and that resiliency is, you know, it's one of the things that's happening with all of us during this pandemic. We have to become more resilient and able to adapt because we can't control everything in our world right now. Um, and that's really the key. I think that's, you know, that ability to adapt, to learn new things, to be able to make change is what we're looking for in our horses. They can handle different situations and what we need to find in ourselves. Yeah. Well said, Ms. Well, Wendy. that we can end. Yeah. <laughs> Shut her down, sister. Mike this has been another, <laughs> just, you know, blow through that hour. And just, I just love I having time with you guys. You know? Yeah, we're going to yeah. head out uh, shortly and we're going to go visit a tree. Yeah. Oh, okay. A very special, magical tree uh, in, Mass in Concord, Massachusetts. Oh, uh, I think I've heard of this tree. written about it. Um, um, what kind of tree is it? No, Earth, Earth Speak. Speak. 
is a gal named Mary, I believe she wrote this book. We don't know. We are just going to meet one of our clients who we really enjoy and she loves this tree and for two years (laughs) we've been wanting to go see this tree and we're going i don't even know what kind of tree it is we don't know oh i I have a feeling it's an oak let me know if i'm right okay (laughs) we gotta go see about that tree (laughs) okay go see that tree and we'll we'll schedule another meeting soon because you know it's just too much fun to to chat with you guys yeah totally and thank you for all you folks oh yeah and somebody sent us a video today diane did she sent us a video um of her horse uh with using horse speak and surefoot pads just just before we went on live yep so that was really fun and yeah she says give the tree a hug for her oh absolutely (laughs) all right well until next time thank you all for joining in and just remember you can find this and all the other webinars at the surefoot equine youtube channel and we'll see you tomorrow with uh, Penny. We're going to talk about using Surefoot as a vet tech. Right. Mm-hmm. Sounds yeah. great. Bye-bye. Bye. Take care.